Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning. Thank you for taking some time out to tune into the Life Podcast. We're just going to go into a quick worship song, and we'll be back here in a moment.
All right, so we're going to slowly come back into today's show. And what I'd like to do is just begin by sharing two of my morning disciplines. Prayerfully, you're going through yours or you're already done going through your disciplines for the morning to get your mind ready, to set your mind and your heart on the author and finisher of your faith. Amen. So this morning, what I'd like to share with you is first, my, um, my usual morning practices are, or disciplines, if you will, are to check my time hop as much as I'd not like to admit that, um, that I go onto my time hop and it, what time hop is, is an app on my phone that I, uh, I go through different years of posts that I had made on social media. And I'm usually inspired by the things that I have posted for the last eight or nine years on social media. And this morning, sure enough, two years ago, I had posted that I am praising God that I have been saved from the thieving work of the carnal mind, and I've been saved to the eternally fulfilling and satisfying life of being in Jesus Christ. Amen. What a beautiful thought to think about as we're singing a song about Christ abiding with us. Amen. And um, I'm glad to say that that is a continual reality. And we're going to talk a little bit about the continuous work of God on today's show. I'm your host, Michael Miano, pastor here at the Blue Point Bible Church, director of the Power of Preterism Network, and your host here on these live podcasts. The goal, of course, is to help us better understand, to increase in our understanding of living in the fulfilled eschaton. We, of course, believe that Bible prophecy has been fulfilled, specifically happening in that first century between the time of Jesus Christ's earthly ministry up until his coming in A.D. 70. The second discipline I would like to bring us in on this morning to set our eyes on the Lord is the practice of common prayer. Those of you that are familiar with my ministry know that I appreciate the practice of common prayer as something that would put prayer before us early in the morning and, if you do the evening prayers, late at night. Let's go into a moment of prayer. O Lord, let my soul rise up to meet you as the day rises to meet the sun. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my restless thoughts. Psalm chapter 139, verses 13 through 16 read, I will thank you because I am marvelously made. Your works are wonderful, and I know it well. My body was not hidden from you while I was being made in secret and woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my limbs, yet unfinished in the womb. All of them were written in your book. They were fashioned day by day when as yet there was none of them. How deep I find your thoughts, O God. How great is the sum of them. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my restless thoughts. 20th century Catholic writer Flannery O'Connor said this, I think there is no suffering greater than what is caused by the doubts of those who want to believe. I know what torment this is, but I can only see it in myself anyway as the process by which faith is deepened. What people don't realize is how much religion costs. They think faith is a big electric blanket, when of course it is the cross. Now, usually what we do is we go into a moment of uh, exhortive prayer um, or even intercessory prayer, praying for others. And what I'd like to do is pray for you and myself that uh, we would constantly be growing in our understanding of the sovereign grace of God. 
I saw a quote earlier from Bible teacher Ward Fenley, and he had said that we only have two ways, two roads, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, that we can either go the way of trusting in God's sovereign grace, even when it disagrees with what we might desire, or we could go the route of chance, doubt and chance and luck, which is even more frightening of a route than the sovereign grace of God, which is, of course, a means of love. God allows us to experience doubts, fears, torments, trials, so that we would increase in our understanding of him, so that we would increase in our understanding and in his purposes of his will for our life. Now, what we usually do is we go into a recitation of the Our Father after we pray. So I'll lift up this prayer, and then I'll ask you to join me wherever you might be in either the mental assent to the Lord's Prayer or the outspoken repetition. Mighty God, we do thank you, Lord. We thank you for your sovereign grace. We ask that you continue to increase our understanding, Lord. Allow us to see that you are truly in, through, and for all things, Lord, that bring glory to you, and that we would uh, cleave to that and grow in that and increase in all things that you have provided pertaining to life and godliness. Lord, put before us this day the goal of our instruction, love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. It Stir that within us by way of your spirit, Lord, and allow us to see your purposes, your will come to fruition. Thank you, Lord. We give this show to you. We give our lives to you, Lord, thanking you for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Now we'll go into that recitation of the Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. So what are we going to talk about today? Now, the first thing I'd like to do before I get into the show is give you the phone number. I'm planning on making today somewhat of an interactive show. I don't mind when you call in. However, I do ask that you give me the liberty to finish my thought before I bring you on the show. Here you go. If you want to write down the phone number, this is it. 516-387-1717. One more time. 516 516- 3871717. I look forward to hearing from some of you that are tuned in this morning. So yesterday I had seen a post shared by Larry Siegel, the founder of Fulfilled Dynamics. You can go ahead and find Fulfilled Dynamics on Facebook. And uh, he had shared a post that is something that I've been praying about, thinking about, envis- uh, working on a vision against um, in regards to the preterist movement for quite some time. And I loved when I saw this post and I said, all right, we're, we're gaining momentum, amen. This is what Larry had to say yesterday. The preterist movement has become stale and it's time for some fresh air. I have been very troubled by the, quote, cessationism of most of the leading preterists who come from either a reformed or Church of Christ background and carry with them an absolutist idea that the miraculous gifts of the spirit are not for today. I see it as the very opposite. An example, the kingdom is to expand, not to contract. We are living in the kingdom age and therefore have every reason to expect more of God's workings, not less. I see it as bordering on blasphemy to limit the Holy Spirit's work in any area. It seems to me to be very arrogant to say that the miraculous gifts, the charismata, ended in A.D. 70. Yes, the prophecies of the Bible were all fulfilled by A.D. 70, and instead of being able to predict the future, we have the exciting possibilities, not more limitations 
in the new covenant kingdom than were ever possible in the old covenant kingdom. I think where our charismatic preterists, I'm sorry, charismatic Pentecostal friends have erred is due to overemphasis on the spectacular and looking too much for outward signs and wonders. They seem to be saying often that if we don't see visible signs happening, nothing is really happening in a miraculous way. Not true at all. We need to totally rethink and revamp some of these ideas and come up with fresh experiences in the kingdom. The prosperity gospel, as taught by millionaire televangelists, have really muddied the water terribly. Yes, they've made prosperity work for them from other people's money and even flaunt their wealth. We need a lot more input on this whole thing. Far too long, many, a small handful of preterists have dominated the field, and we need some fresh kingdom air. We need some kingdom preterists who believe that God's workings will continue to grow and increase. Let's get discussion going on this. What do you think? Well, amen to that. You know, I began a team preterist a couple of years ago as an effort to unite preterists to get things done. And I'm glad to say that we're revamping that effort. I had reached out to uh, my partner in crime, if I'm even at liberty to say that about him, um, Chad. And I asked him a bit, uh, Chad, if you remember a couple of years ago, we had put forth quite a few different efforts with team preterists. And I asked him, what do you think is needed in the preterist movement? What can team preterists provide? And he said the same thing that many others are saying. That it seems that we've focused so much on what happened in the past that we haven't offered necessarily much as to what should be lived out in the present or what we should be expecting in the future. And, of course, that really got me thinking. Because, of course, with the, the preterist movement, with the Power of Preterism Network, that has been our goal the entire time. The Power of Preterism Network was designed to bring forth the power of preterism to highlight the power that comes by a fulfilled reality. What does it truly mean to live in the fulfilled eschaton, to understand the faithfulness and the mercy of God as a provided provision, as a provided resource? I explained a little bit about that on our last Life podcast, about understanding the gospel of faithfulness and mercy. So that was one thing. And then, of course, thinking about Team Preterist and thinking about our annual conference, which I guess this would be a good time to make mention of it, here in Blue Point, New York, on May 17th through the 19th, 2019, we will be hosting our annual conference. This year, our theme is this, what's next, a Preterist conference. We want to know what should the Preterist movement be focusing on, not necessarily after AD 70. We got that. Fulfilled kingdom, the work of God within the body of Christ the church making known the manifold wisdom of God as we read there in Ephesians 3.10. But what's next after the preterist movement has now been increasing and flourishing since the 1970s? We have a movement, fractured, divided, somewhat frustrating, but we have a movement. And what's next? What should we be doing? How can we unite what we have? How can we push forward with what we have and begin to see the glory of God manifest? I love that book by Alan Bondar, The Journey Between the Veils. And he really did. He laid out, you know, that the glory of God is love. And that if we want to see more of the glory of God, we must see more love coming from the body of Christ. Also, talking more specifically about the Holy Spirit. You know, within the preterist movement, we have those that would refer to themselves as, quote unquote, charismatic preterists, who do believe that the, the charismata is an ongoing thing. And of course, this is something that is very divided within the different camps, as Larry Siegel made 
known there that you have many within the preterist movement. I mentioned this on last week's podcast as well, that um, you have many in the preterist movement that come out of the Church of Christ. The Church of Christ is naturally cessationist. They believe that the spirit ended in, a, in that first century and that God began a different style of working with his people after that. And I'm in partial agreement with that. Many of you know I have often find frustration with the word partial, but in this case, I'm going to use it. So I'm in partial agreement with that cessationist attitude. However, the charismatic community says, well, no, charismata has continued. And unfortunately, in many of the preterist circles, this has been charged with not being studied out, um, but also being based on experience. Now, I'm not one to deny people's experiences. So therefore, I partially agree with a lot of my charismatic friends who have professed seeing signs and wonders. So I'm a guy that's caught in the middle. Many of you that have heard me talk about this, I've said that I am a continuous. I don't necessarily, I'm a continuist, and I believe in the continuous work of the Holy Spirit. Now, the reason I can create a difference, and I'm going to try to outline this for us on today's show, the reason I can create such a difference is that I believe that the Holy Spirit had a, a work even in the Old Covenant. It wasn't the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but it had a work. It came and it went, and you see this in many places in the Old Testament. When, the new, when Jesus Christ came on the scene, he was doing a specific work to a specific people, and that thereby required the work of the Holy Spirit in a specific way that would have been expected. And I believe that's what we're seeing in the first century. Now, I don't believe that that stopped at AD 70, but I do believe that once God gave the one major sign to that generation, the sign of Jonah, the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, and then concluded that with the consummating sign of the destruction of the temple, that I believe a lot of the signs and wonders were no longer necessarily needed to authenticate the Christian message. The signs had been given, the sign of Jonah and the destruction of the temple, the destruction of the power of the holy people. That was prophesied going all the way back to Deuteronomy 31 through 32, as well as Daniel chapter 12. So once that was made known, the change occurred, the change of the living that is spoken about all throughout the New Testament, which is going from one mind to another, going from a sort of a tossed to and fro mindset to a fully convicted mindset. Um, when we see that happen, I, I believe that the work of the Spirit did categorically change didn't go away, didn't cease, but I do believe that through the understanding of what God had done, that it did uh, begin to have a different program. And I believe that because I see through the narrative of Scripture that God has used his Holy Spirit in different ways, or the Holy Spirit has worked in different ways. I don't know if I want to separate the Holy Spirit from the entity of God, because I do believe that the Holy Spirit is that force of God. It comes from God. It is God, if you will. Recently, I got to studying with a brother named Mike, and he had given me this study that he had drawn up. I don't know that I'm at liberty to fully outline all of his stuff. However, um, he did say some very poignant things in his write-up. One of the things that caught my attention was this. Without the active function, unction, and leading of the Holy Spirit today, the church will dr simply dry up and die a slow death. I believe that. Matter of fact, I preached here at the Blue Point Bible Church about two weeks ago about how we need to grow in our pneumatology in the New Testament, I mean, in, in the Preterist movement. I remember a book I had read a while back by Francis Chan, not very informative, but somewhat challenging, was a book called The Forgotten God. And it was about the Holy Spirit. And Francis Chan said, this is the one part of God that we very rarely talk about in the Christian church. 
even more so in the Preterist movement. I wish I could find those two podcasts that were put up by Max King. Well, they were put up by Preterist Voice, I believe, but they were both by Max King, and they talked about the Holy Spirit and understanding fulfillment. So if you're listening to this podcast, maybe we could all begin a, a concerted effort of reaching out to Preterist Voice and asking him for those podcasts. Because I know I was edified. Many people here at the Blue Point Bible Church were edified. And I trust you will be edified if we were able to get our hands on those podcasts. So another thing that my, my brother Mike had shared with me um, in this write-up was this. The new covenant empowered by the Spirit can expand the Garden of Eden. The new Jerusalem, the new earth, can heal the nations. The Holy Spirit in the life of a believer was a microcosm or type of the Garden of Eden. The restoration that awaited full restoration in the fulfillment in AD 70. And I agree with him there. And I believe that through that Holy Spirit, that continual work of the Holy Spirit, that we can um, continue to see the kingdom manifest. For example, let me try to explain this this way. I went to uh, Preterist Pilgrim Weekend last year, 2018, and I listened to a great lecture by Dr. William Bell. And in that lecture, he was making the case for the miraculous ceasing in the first century at the destruction of Jerusalem. And I listened, and I, you know, again, Dr. William Bell, very smart, very intelligent man that has brought forth many great teachings, actually a lot on the Holy Spirit. If you were to find him on iHeartRadio, there's quite a few podcasts there that I'm looking to make my way through. And uh, I believe he also has some written teachings on the Holy Spirit as well. So I listened to him preach, and I had a problem with the, the ceasing of the Spirit as they come out of Egypt, right? He used the, the, uh, the anti-type, I'm sorry, the type of Israel coming out of Egypt and signs and wonders following them. And then he made the case, as many within the Church of Christ denomination do, or the Church of Christ understanding. I don't know that it's fair to refer to it as a denomination, as I know many within the Church of Christ do not like to refer to themselves as a denomination. So within the Church of Christ, they focus on the cessation of the Spirit at that first century. Now, my problem with that would be that when Israel entered into the land, did signs and miracles necessarily stop? Doesn't it seem as though they continued, but the program wasn't to focus on them? And that's sort of the understanding of the continuous view of the Holy Spirit, that, there, that we should mark out context and different places and programs of the Holy Spirit and not necessarily demand that it acts the same in all ways, but instead by way of context. So the continuous understanding marks out that in different contexts, the Spirit continues always, of course, but works in different ways. So, of course, a little bit different than the cessationist position as well as the charismatic position. One way that I came to understand this was through Alan Hirsch, which I actually learned in more recent reading that Alan Hirsch does come out of the Church of Christ. Alan Hirsch is a leader of what is now known as the Missional Church. And uh, I'm pretty heavily influenced in my orthopraxis by the Missional Church. Um, that's the living out of the kingdom. And uh, Alan Hirsch has been a teacher that I've admired. And I know he brings forth this continuous understanding. It's a little bit different of an understanding than the traditional modes of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that's what Larry Siegel is crying and calling out for in his write-up yesterday um, about uh, the cessation of the Spirit, that we're looking for something different. We're not looking to fall, fall into the different modes of cessation and charismatic and, and you know, even the, the traditional study of these things, but rather to not validate each other's, uh, invalidate each other's experiences as we're walking and abiding with Christ 
and we're seeing the work of the Spirit happen through us. But that we would mark out these things, we would challenge them, we would try them, and prayerfully hope that if they're glorifying to God, that we would see them increase and not necessarily making it an argument at every end. I've been preaching recently here at the Blue Point Bible Church about celebrating Christ and really marking out what are the provisions that have been given to us pertaining to life and godliness that are mentioned there in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. What are the promises that have been fulfilled? What does it mean to live in a fulfilled kingdom? What does it mean to celebrate the riches that we have in Christ? And I know many have been expressing that they've been edified by that. If you remember earlier, I made mention of... Uh, Eternal life in Christ being that which saved us from the thieving work of carnality. I found this quote by St. Francis of Assisi um, to be rather convicting in that regard. Above all, the grace and gifts that Christ gives to his beloved is that of overcoming self. And I believe that's part of the Holy Spirit's work. As we see, the Holy Spirit will guide us into truth because our carnal mind will lead us away from truth. Will lead us to lean upon our own understanding. Proverbial wisdom says will lead to destruction. The Holy Spirit comforts us because the carnal mind, as I'm sure many of us know, the carnal mind will lead us into anxiety. That's why the Apostle Paul many times in his letters says that we should be unceasing in prayer, which is a work of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead us because many times we may become apathetic and lethargic or doubtful in regards to the work of God. So yes, the Holy Spirit is a gift and a grace that comes through Christ to his beloved that helps us overcome self. A quote from John Piper in regards to grace is that grace is the enabling gift of God not to sin. Grace is the power of God, not just the pardon. Well, sure, and that comes by way of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's work in our life to enable us not to sin because you can't do that on your own, amen? I know I sure can't. I love what the Apostle Paul said, and I actually mentioned this in my sermon this past Sunday um, here at the Blue Point Bible Church, talking about the contextual Romans' road to salvation. He says this in the book of Romans, Romans 11, verses 33 through 36. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgment, judgments and unfathomable are his ways. Mark that out in your Bible, amen? Unsearchable and unfathomable. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him, through him, and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Well, amen to that. However, if we're to understand the mind of the Lord, as this text points out, it says, for who has known the mind of the Lord? Where else, do, where else in Scripture do we read about the mind of the Lord and how it has been given, the provision has been given to the body of Christ, to have the mind of the Lord. Where do we read about that, saints? Sure enough, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is explaining to the church at Corinth that the transition of the things from the old to the new will only be understood by way of the Spirit. That in order to understand the riches and the rewards and the grace of God, we must be spiritually discerned. That's important because we've been made rich by way of Jesus Christ. We've been given riches and rewards and so much more that we are called to use for the healing of the nations. But if we don't know them, if we don't discern them, 
if we don't walk worthy of the gifts that we've been given, the world doesn't get to experience our being rich nor us making them rich. The apostle, in uh, his letter to the Corinthians, he says that. He says, we are poor, making many rich. And my charge would be that in the time that we're in now, living after the first century where they were filling up the sufferings of Christ in the body, that now in the body we, have, we are rich. We have been made rich in Christ. And we are rich making others rich. But of course that richness comes by way of discerning what the work of God is, what the work of the Spirit is in and through the church. Another quote that I had made mention of in this series that we were doing called Celebrate Christ was in regards to a good sermon. And prayerfully, I'm doing that here on this podcast. A good sermon is an engineering, engineering operation by which a chasm is built so that the spiritual goods on one side, which are the unsearchable riches of Christ, are actually transported into the personal lives of believers. Well, amen to that. You see, there's nothing wrong with being poor, but everything is wrong with remaining poor once you have discovered your riches in Christ. And we need to take that exhortation and run with it. Be challenged to use the riches, to use all that we have been given pertaining to life and godliness for the healing of the nations. I love what ancient Greek playwriter Europide said. He said, I care for riches to make gifts. It's not that I care for my riches to wander into prosperity on my own, but I wander into prosperity for the sake of making others rich. Amen? I love what Paul Washer said about a true understanding of the grace of God, because I do believe the Holy Spirit, if we're going to understand the Holy Spirit, it's going to come by way of understanding the grace, the faithfulness, the justification, and the gifts of God. If we understand all of that, we'll understand what the Holy Spirit has done and is doing and will do. Amen? So, I care for riches to make many rich. Paul Washer says this, a true understanding of the grace of God will, make, will not make us slothful in our devotion, but will draw us out of our apathy, encourage us in our faithfulness, and spur us on to greater diligence. Amen. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what. I want to ponder some other things that I want to share with you this morning. I want to hope that I'm continuing to encourage you to press in and understand what God is doing in and through you, what God is doing in and through the church, and that that power is going to be made known through the individual, yes, but also through the corporate entity of the local church. So I'm praying that I'm spurring you to not only think about your own life, but also to think about your life in the body. Amen. I'm going to put on a song here and we're going to come back and going to go ahead and finish up some thoughts. If you'd like to call in, maybe you have some thoughts you want to share as you've been tuned in and listening, please go ahead and give us a call. The number is 516-387-1717. One more time, 516-387-1717. I look forward to hearing from you right after this song.
All right, so we are, we are back. Now, I did want to share some thoughts. I'm noticing that we have a couple callers. That's exciting. And uh, I did want to share some thoughts with you that I had found by Alan Hirsch. Now, I made mention of him before. Alan Hirsch would be one of the teachers that I believe is on the front lines as a thought leader for the church in the West. This has actually been said about him. He's written quite a few books. One of the books, if you're interested in his form of discipleship and even more so uh, his view of the Holy Spirit, um, I might encourage you to get your hands on a couple books. Those books would be The Forgotten Ways, which is a great series on discipleship, The Shaping of Things to Come, The Permanent Revolution, and 5Q. The Permanent Revolution is the book that would most bring forth the details regarding Ephesians chapter 4, the apest structure of apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher, and of course, the work of the Holy Spirit. A couple of thoughts that Alan Hirsch puts before us is this. Most of our ways of thinking about the church, about the work of the Holy Spirit in the church, in America and in Europe, are actually European derivatives. It wasn't the original form of the church as in the first century, as made known through the scriptures. Furthermore, Alan Hirsch goes on to say, I think most of our problems that we face in the church are actually results of what we would call reductionism. We've reduced things down to what we might think they are. We, you know, and I'm going to char- make that charge in regards to the Holy Spirit, that we've taken doctrines and all these different doctrines, and we've just sort of reduced it down to maybe what Francis Chan had referred to it as the forgotten God. And it's my hope, and I'm going to go along with Larry Siegel on this one, that we would continue to see more input on this whole thing, that we are desperately in need of kingdom preterists, I like that phrase, who believe that God's workings will continue to grow and increase. And therefore, I hope that when I tune in, I bring it on, on our guests. I hope that when I bring on our guests, sometimes the coffee gets ahead of me, that they talk about exactly that. They bring us new thoughts, fresh insights in regards to the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to go ahead and bring on our first caller here and see what he has to say to us. Hey, good morning. Thank you for tuning in. You are now live on our live podcast. Pesmiano. Hey, what's going on, Mike? How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the show. Um, it's bringing to light some some of the needs that I, I feel that are important in a preterist movement. Just coming into it myself, I think it's it's totally revolutionized and, and transformed my own walk with the Lord. Uh, so thanks for having me. Amen, Mike. Thanks for tuning in and calling in on the show. Uh, I'm sure you don't mind me mentioning that you were the brother I was talking about a bit earlier, that you had uh, submitted this writing that I've been studying through and reading through. And, um, you know, I've definitely appreciated some of your insights. And it's interesting to see that many others are thinking, you know, might be a work of the spirit. Amen. That many others are thinking on that wavelength, are starting to discern that maybe we haven't said the right things about the Holy Spirit. So, I guess I'm curious. I'm curious. Yeah, please. I want uh, you to say some things. Let me share some thoughts. Uh, First of all, uh, I am one of those 600 million charismatic Christians that are in you know the world today, 
one out of every four Christians would identify as, as a charismatic, if you will. Um, I've had some profound experiences with the Lord spiritually uh, and seen the operation of, of the Holy Spirit working in with different gifts. But I'll first preface this and to say that uh, Galatians 6.15, nothing matters and nothing counts but the new creation. I mean, that is sort of primary, that's foremost. So uh, I would say that the when someone is born again in a new creation, that, that is the greatest miracle we can see. Um, Amen. And our devotion, our confession uh, of, of God and the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, and the fruit of the Spirit is the outward sign of a believer. All right, so I'll preface to say that. But I, it's disheartening to hear that in, in some of the responses to the, the blog that was put out by someone you mentioned earlier was, you know, it ceased and doesn't work that way. And, you know, so my understanding of, of the gifts of the Spirit looks something like this. Uh, it, gifts of healing would be stemmed in God's nature, and it would also stem in God's covenant of of this new and better covenant. And, uh, and I'll start with Deuteronomy 28. Back with, even back then with the children of Israel, we, ha- we have the promises of blessing and the curse. Divine healing was always a part of his covenant uh, because it stems in God's nature. Um, if you look in the gospel accounts, almost a dozen times you'll, you'll, you'll see the term Christ was moved with compassion. People think signs and wonders are just God's a magician. He just wants to impress people. But they don't truly know the heart of God because if they did, they didn't understand that he came uh, not only to save us spiritually. I'm not saying everyone who prays is healed, but I've seen it in my own life. And I know I don't understand why some people are not, but that, that's not the point. The point is, what does the Scripture say? Um, and to me, it's evident uh, if you look throughout Matthew chapter 8, when Christ was doing these healings, he's bringing back to us Isaiah 53, right? And he's, he's saying, surely you're born of griefs and carried our sorrows. It's the most, one of the most important texts in all the Bible, predicting the forecoming of the Lord. It's showing the benefits of the new covenant. You know, is this a new and better covenant? Can Psalm 103 say, praise the Lord, my soul, all that is within me, Forget not all his benefits, who forgives all the sins and heals all your diseases. This is the psalmist in the Old Testament, without the coming of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. First uh, Peter also makes mention of the same scripture, by his stripes we were healed. So this power in the blood, this power in the new covenant, this new and better covenant. And we're talking about fulfilled eschatology. Christ is king. The fullness of the kingdom was here. So we have access to, to heal the nations spiritually, to impart the kingdom of heaven uh, to all those who are in need, just like Jesus Christ. We're to walk as Christ walked. Jesus performed miracles, and he did signs and wonders as well, yes. And we see in the book of Acts, as well as the gospel accounts, where Christ performed miracles, and they were as signs that drew people, drew crowds, even with the gift of prophecy in the Samaritan woman. I believe in John chapter 4. Uh, it says, she went back to the city and many came to the Lord. You know, so I, I think we're doing a just this justice to the heart of God and, and also theology when it comes to the gifts of healing. Paul said he set in the church apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, 
and gifts of healing helps, diversity of tongues. People want to know why we don't see the healings today, because the church has done away with apostles. They've done away with prophets. There's no apostolic anointing that's flowing because of, of our unbelief. Christ couldn't do certain miracles in certain cities, if you remember, because uh, they, he was, it says they limited, and in even Old Testament, they limited God because of their unbelief. And I think that's a lesson we can take away today. Um, so I want to share those thoughts, Pastor. Third uh, John 1, 2, dear friend, I pray you be in good health, that me all may be go with you, even as your soul is getting along well. That's the NIV version. Um, so I think, you know, Jesus performed healings and miracles. Sometimes he said, listen, let it be according to your faith. And I think, I think our faith is weak. I think that um, we don't, we're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We understand the theology behind the new covenant, the power of the new covenant. Um, and like I said, setting the church miracles, uh, in James 5, we have the ordination of elders who have that so orderly in the church that they can lay hands in the sick. So God set these patterns in the church. And whether we see it today, it's not God's fault, I think, that would it stem as a fault of our own. Hmm. Amen. Amen, Mike. I, you know, I agree with that. And I appreciate, you know, you kind of, you being bold enough to, you know, even in our discussions, and just saying, you know, this is where I stand. This is what I've experienced. This is what I'm seeing in the Word. And I, I believe that it is challenging other people to go beyond what, as I mentioned before, we've reduced it to. You know, we have a Larry Siegel with Fulfilled Dynamics. You know, I, I appreciate his boldness yesterday by making such a post um, and being willing to challenge the community, you know, that we've reduced this thing to almost nothing. And I believe we're seeing actually what you had wrote about in that, that uh, write-up that you had given me was that we're seeing a dead church. We're seeing, you know, you know, how many times do I hear people say, like, the preterist movement is dead? And I think it's going to begin by going back to what we might understand about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives personally as well as within the church. Yeah, Mike, if I can, uh, the preterist movement has such a gem, such a, a wonderful revelation that I think it's, it's gone to our heads in a sense. And that, that was sort of a, something that, that God forewarned Paul about. You know, Paul had this amazing experience, the third heaven, and he was given sort of a thorn or to keep him humble. And so we, we do need uh, a sense of humility, that we have an amazing truth. And I think, so we've, we've shifted a little bit, and we need to balance uh, and understand that, you know, it's in God's heart, it's in God's nature. Uh, Revelation 21, no more death, crying, pain. I think you can connect that to Genesis chapter 1, where there was sorrow and thorns and thistles, so there's pain connected there. So there, if we would just put the puzzle pieces together, the Holy Spirit is the most magnanimous, amazing gift that God has given men. And it's not just the New Testament. The work of the Holy Spirit, if someone would just do a word study on, on the Holy Spirit, the way he moved in the Old Testament, the miracles, the signs, the way he spoke to the prophets, the way he spoke in the New Testament. You read through the book of Acts, and I told you before, it really should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit, because he's speaking, and he's leading, and he's directing, and I think we need more of that in the church. 
not just signs and wonders and miracles, but the leading of the Holy Spirit, the devotion, where Paul says the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the communion of the Holy Spirit. Who is this Holy Spirit that's always been and always will be, that is going to reveal the Father, reveal the Son, everything, the Bible says. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard, but is revealed through the Holy Spirit. So we need to be more sensitive, more open to the Holy Spirit, and I think that would do us justice and well to bring the most powerful truths of preterism in and into this world and fulfill the commission of bringing the kingdom of God and spreading heaven on earth. And that's going to incorporate love of the Holy Spirit and as well as the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen, Mike. Amen. You know, I appreciate you taking a time time out to call in and actually listen to the show. Thanks, Pastor. Uh, you know, you, you got me encouraged, and perfectly those that are listening are saying, wow, I've been thinking along these lines as well, because I know there's many people that have. So I'm hoping that uh, through, you know, my effort and your willingness to call in and tune in, that uh, many others will begin this conversation, and we can see the value of what we're saying take place and come to fruition. Thanks for the time, Pastor. Hey, thank you. And um, Mike, I'll tell you what, I look forward to communicating with you soon, and hopefully we'll be getting together. Yes, sir. Take care, Pastor. All right. God bless you, brother. Have a blessed day. All right, so that's exciting. We have people tuned in, people calling in. I do want to remind you that if you're tuning in and you do want to call back, I know we had a couple other callers that had called in but then had left the show. Uh, You can call in at 516-387-1717. I'm actually going to bring the show to a sort of conclusion here. I value Mike's thoughts. Again, I'm studying through a writing that he had given me. I value Larry Siegel's thoughts to get this conversation going. This is actually a conversation happening right now on the Fulfilled Dynamics Facebook page. So we're hoping that that conversation may continue. And, uh, you know, I do want to end with this point. I want to say this. I've come to the understanding that, yes, there was a spirit at work all throughout the Old Testament. I love right there in Genesis 1, you have the spirit hovering over the chaotic waters, seeking to do a work of healing, which I believe has been clearly demonstrated to be the work of covenant. That's what God was doing. He was making known his covenant. He was bringing the chaos of the waters together, forming land, which would actually be uh, synonymous with his people. He would form his people. The land was to bring clarity to the chaotic waters. It was to bring borders and, you know, to uh, offer up an outline or a form. Because again, when you look out at the ocean, have you ever been on a boat in the middle of the ocean, like a cruise? And just looked at it, the dark night and the ocean, it's chaotic and frightening and scary. And then when you see land, land brings order and, and, you know, order to the chaos. And many people, Alan Hirsch, as I've mentioned a couple of times now, he's one of those people that believes that much of what Jesus' work, God's work, the Bible is explaining is order to chaos. And I know in my life, I can give you that testimony. Perfectly, you've already taken advantage of some of my resources. You can go ahead and go over to Miano Gone Wild. M-I-A-N-O, gonewild.wordpress.com, and you could purchase my books. I have a book called Freaked Out by the New Covenant. And I guess the best way to explain that is God bringing order to my chaos, the chaos that my carnal mind constantly brings up. Amen. So, uh, 
You know, and that's important. It's important. Let me say this. It's important to mark out our experience. So my point was that in Genesis, we see the work of the Holy Spirit doing something. Then we see that spirit come and go as Israel is obedient, disobedient, all throughout the law and the prophets, the narrative of the law and the prophets. And then we get into the New Testament. We see this miraculous intervention of God's work through Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus saying that when he leaves, he will send the spirit that will lead you into all truth. And then that time, right, that all that... uh. Acts chapter 1 talks about bringing the gospel to the ends of the world, which wasn't speaking about the end of the planet, although the gospel is going to continue to go to the end of the planet. It was speaking more categorically about that first century world, the known world from Jerusalem to Rome. Um, And all of that was done. The gospel went forth. Acts chapter 1 has been fulfilled. So, Many within the preterist camp would put the spirit within that moment and say it stopped there. However, I've come to understand, again, as I mentioned earlier, that the spirit continues to work, just works in different ways with different focal points. Yes, in the first century, it was vital that signs and wonders would be made very clear to the Jewish populace and especially to the Gentiles that were paying attention. Today, we still have need for those signs and miracles to follow the gospel. I love what Mike had pointed out there, Galatians 6.15, where it talks about what is most important in the new covenant is the new new creature, the new creation, which is, of course, miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. But that is not to say that we cannot experience other things by way of the Spirit. I love this quote from Sam Storm, and I'll sort of end on this. Sam Storms is a Bible teacher. I don't necessarily agree with his eschatology, but I thought what he had said here in regards to the continuing work of the Holy Spirit to be uh, encouraging. He said this, Experience in isolation from the biblical text proves little, but experience must be noted, especially if it illustrates or embodies what we see in God's word. Let's pray. Mighty God, we do thank you, Lord. We thank you for the spirit that illuminates your truth, that we would not even begin to understand these things had we not become spiritually discerned. So Lord, we magnify you, we thank you, and we praise you for that. We also thank you for our experiences, that we would prove all things holding fast to that which is good and abstaining from that which is wicked, that which may be a result of our carnal mind. But of course, we cleave to what your spirit makes known that is good and in line with your word. And Lord, of course, we thank you for the word that has been put together, compiled, inspired by your spirit, and offering up a foundation for us to believe in, Lord. May we cleave to that. May we study to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth, thereby not being ashamed. Thank you, Lord. Go before us into our day. Go before us into this continued conversation in regards to the fresh air, the Holy Spirit that is needed within the preterist movement. Thank you, Lord. Lead us in love. Lead us in kindness and joy and in all the fruits of the Holy Spirit, that we may know that you are with us, that we may see you in all that we do. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Thank you for taking some time to tune, time out of your day, to tune in to our show here, Life Podcasts. This will be Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays at 7 a.m. Eastern. Go in peace, saints. Thank you.
like a 